This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive! Swing, there's a shot! High drive! Out of here! This laser beam of a home run for Brandon Crawford. First home run of the year for the Giants, and it's Joey Bart. Is. Challenger strikes out swinging. Playing the miss, he struck him out. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Inside Giant Moments. Distrepti. Go! And late night Lamont strikes again. Belt was all over it. The captain. Great call, Parker. With Adam Copeland. Welcome back into the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. A great episode for you today. It's always a great episode when we can catch up with a San Francisco Giant. And it is, so far this season, we've had Austin Slater. We've had Buster Posey, which is, of course, a great one. We've had Evan Longoria and one of the other faces of the San Francisco Giants, maybe the current face of the Giants. Brandon Crawford going to join us on today's episode, talk a little bit about his historic landmark. If you missed it last week, Brandon Crawford becomes just the fifth San Francisco Giant in San Francisco Giants era history to play 1500 games with the Giants and an incredible feat for a kid who grew up in the Bay Area so we'll get into some of that and some of the great moments of Brandon Crawford's career but how about that list Jim Davenport Barry Bonds Willie Mays Willie McCovey you know I know Jim Davenport doesn't have the the Hall of Fame numbers but certainly a guy who in the 60s was known here played with some of the all-time greats all the Hall of Famers on those uh, that 1962 World uh, World Series team that ultimately lost to the Yankees in game seven it's just really cool for a guy like Brandon and Crawford, who grew up in the Bay Area, to have his name on a list with the all-time great San Francisco Giants. So we'll get into a little bit of that in a bit. But first, a little bit on the Giants and what's going on right now. Uh, I wanted to get into this just a little bit because... If you were to identify a spot in the lineup, and we've talked about this throughout the season a little bit with the emergence of Joey Barton, seeing him as uh, the the everyday catcher, really, to start this season, hit the big home run on opening day, and we thought, okay, maybe this is a little bit of power. We're going to see some of this guy throughout the year. The Giants made a big deal about Joey Bart back in 2020 when we got a little, a little view of him, right? He came up for just sort of a stint there in that truncated 60-game season, and the defense behind the plate was not as good as I think the Giants had hoped, and that's what you need in today's game. You've got to have a good defensive catcher catchers are a little bit like uh like officials umpires referees across sports if you don't notice them behind the plate usually they're doing a pretty good job and back then the giants with chadwick trump and joey barton uh was tim federowitz around at one point they'd run into some problems defensively and so when he went back to triple a in 2021 the hope was that he was going to uh hone a little bit on that defensive side of things understand what it takes to be a receiver and then that would come along with his bat and he'd be able to slot right into the lineup and try to make an impact for this team obviously he struggled at the plate and was very good behind the plate defensively, but he went down to Sacramento and a little update on him. He's been playing pretty well over the last few days. Not tons of power, but he is getting on base and he's not striking out at the rate that he was earlier this season on the big league club. Well, 
Giants have looked around now for some depth. Kirk Casale has done an awesome job. Remember last year, he caught all those shutouts to start the year. Has a, has a great catcher ERA, they call it the ERA of the pitching staff when, when Kirk Casale's behind the plate. He's been fantastic. But you also know you're not getting Buster Posey-like production offensively from Kirk Casale, and I don't think that's what anybody's expecting. So if you were going to identify a spot in the lineup that the Giants needed some help or maybe would look to improve come trade deadline time, we saw last year it was Chris Bryant. You needed a big thumping bat. You wanted a guy who could play all over, play some corner outfield, play some corner infield, and ultimately that's what they got in Chris Bryant. Well, the name that's been floated around a little bit this year is Wilson Contreras uh, of the Chicago Cubs also. Uh, he would probably command a load. Uh, catcher spot is a spot that is sort of like second base where you view it a little bit differently. Uh, you take the defense, and if you get big offensive production there, you call that a plus. Well, teams who are looking to improve or, or hoping to get into the playoffs, hoping to make a run for a championship or, or a World Series run, that's the type of asset you go and get. The rich get richer, you have an opportunity, you go all in, and you try to win it. So maybe Contreras is a guy who's available. There's some other names out there uh, at the catcher spot that maybe the Giants would be interested in. But what I want to talk a little bit about is one of the newer Giants, the newest San Francisco Giant, actually, Austin wins. This guy, in 10 games through Tuesday night in Atlanta, has been fantastic. An 890 OPS. And I got to say, I think I said this last week on the podcast as well. I really, really enjoy watching him behind the plate. The animation that he has, the way he's talking to pitchers, hyping them up. We saw it on Tuesday night. Camilo Doval, a little bit frustrated at the end of the game, gives up a home run, gets the out. It was only the second out of the inning, thought it was the third, threw his glove on the ground, kind of as a, as a hype-up moment. And Austin Wynn said after, yeah, that, that can't really happen. It's, it's a weird situation there that he showed that emotion. But he was able to calm Camilo Doval down, and ultimately the Giants get out of the game with that 10-12 win in Atlanta on Tuesday night. But Austin wins when a guy like that can bring to not just a clubhouse or to a dugout, but what he brings to the field where he can put together a professional at bat. He can handle a pitching staff. He's not a really young guy. He's 31 years old. He's kind of been a journeyman through the minor leagues and is getting a big opportunity here. Had a little bit of big league experience before coming to the Giants, but hits his first home run as a Giant on Tuesday night. Drives in four runs, tied a career high for him, had three hits in the ball game, scored two runs. He's been uh, just shy of, of the term a godsend, I think. Sort of like what Jacob Junis had done for the pitching staff uh, when Anthony Descalfani was out and when Logan Webb wasn't throwing the ball as well and Carlos Rodon ran through a little bit of a rough patch. He's done for that catching staff and for the lineup what uh, what you would hoped a backup catcher would do is step in, be productive, don't hurt the team defensively or offensively, and I think he's been even better than not hurting the team. He's helped the team considerably, as I mentioned, the big three-run home run on Tuesday night. Another guy we just mentioned there, Anthony Descalfani. A guy that we've uh, we haven't seen a lot of this year. He had been out for what was it? He was on the sixty day IL. Made a start. I think his last start before coming back on June twenty first was April twenty first, uh, two months before, and a start against the Mets. And don't forget, he'd had that ankle injury last year. I think it's that right ankle that he's pushing off of was hurting him a little bit at the back end of last season, and he struggled a little bit because of it. This year, he shows up and had the exact same issue. So they shut him down for a little bit, and they're hoping that he can come back. They gave him a three year deal, going to be able to stretch him out a little bit. Just fifty five pitches for him on Tuesday night. I, I do think, and I look at what the Giants have done with building depth. Last year in 2021, they understood that it's going to take a whole stable of arms to get you through a 162-game season. You're not getting the 200 innings out of starting pitchers like you used to, or, you know, your big ace sometimes would go 210, 215, 220. That's just not the way baseball is played anymore. So you've got to have a stable of arms. It's not just about the 26-man roster. It's about the 40-man roster. So what the Giants did this offseason, and I really love that they they sort of went with this strategy, after losing Kevin Gossman, they bring back Desclafani, 
They signed Alex Cobb, obviously a veteran right-hander, sinker baller, a guy who they thought their their plus defense from last year was really going to help. That maybe he'd run into some bad luck. And statistically, earlier this year, Cobb had been the, one of, if not the most unlucky pitcher in all of baseball. But in bringing in Cobb, re-signing Desclafani, going out and getting Carlos Rodon, which was obviously a fantastic signing, and obviously he's got an opt-out after this year. But the hope is, I think the hope always when you sign a guy to a one-year deal or a two-year deal with an opt-out after the first is that that opt-out becomes an option. For for him because that would mean he's pitched so well that he's exceeded expectations and maybe the market determines that he would deserve a little bit more money or a longer contract. Not to say we hope Rodon leaves, but the best case scenario for everybody is that he pitches well enough that if he wanted, he could be a free agent again. So the Giants did that. They got their five-man rotation, but then what they did is they went out to free agency, and they went out and they grabbed an injured guy in Matt Boyd, a left-hander from the Tigers, who, I'll be honest with you, for the last three or four years, Matt Boyd has popped up around deadline time, and he's a guy who I've always looked at and thought, boy, that would be a nice guy in a San Francisco uniform around deadline time. Maybe you add him as like a three or a four starter, and he can help you at the back end of the season. Well, he had a labrum surgery and had been out for a considerable amount of last year and this offseason. So the Giants signed him with the hope that he would be back in June or July. Maybe he makes 10 or 12 starts at the end of the year, gives you another look from the left side we know how tough the Dodgers are from the left side of the plate and the the uh, the Padres are a little bit that way as well the the division in general has been better it's a much different Giants team but the division has been much uh much improved I think this year obviously uh, Arizona's a better team Colorado's still just kind of Colorado but in general the Giants have been a uh, a much different team in what's going to be it looks like just as competitive of a division down the stretch that's if and when Fernando Tatis Jr. is able to make it back for the Padres but the issue now is that Matt Boyd has been shut down. The Giants also went out and they added Jacob Junis, who had an option to start the year. So he started the year in Sacramento, comes back up, helps the Giants considerably over that month. Uh, well, I think he had four wins in that span. And now with that grade two hamstring strain, he's on the injured list for at least the next six weeks, it looks like, or probably at least a month. So the issue now is that the Giants don't have the depth at the starting rotation spot or the starting pitcher spot that they'd had opening the year and that they'd had even just a couple of months ago or a month or so ago uh, when Desclafani went down and they were able to call up Jacob Junis. So if you're looking for spots for the Giants to improve, look at those two. Maybe the catcher spot, depending on what happens with Austin wins. Also paying attention to Joey Bart down in AAA and the health of Kirk Casale, but also paying attention to what happens with Discofani. Is that ankle going to get better? Is it going to hinder him from going deeper into ball games? And again, it's tough to gauge or judge how good he's pitching after just one three-inning outing after two months. But this is a guy the Giants are counting on for big innings here at the back end of the season, or as we get into the middle parts of the season, especially without a lot of reinforcements at that spot uh, in the minor league. So look for those two spots as we get into the summertime. We're just, uh, what, about over a little over a month away from deadline time. So that's when these conversations start to be had. All right, good time to transition into our interview with Brandon Crawford. But before we do so, 1,500 games as a Giant. Five guys in the history of the San Francisco Giants have played that many games in a Giants uniform. And Brandon Crawford joins that list. Uh, I was thinking about this. If, if I had to pick a favorite Crawford moment. I think the one that everybody would probably go to would be the uh, would be the Grand Slam in Pittsburgh, which we'll talk to Brandon about. This still boggles my mind and blows me away that at the time he hit that Grand Slam in the wildcard game against Pittsburgh, it was the only Grand Slam by a shortstop 
in the history of baseball's playoffs. Now, I know that you go further back, and it just used to be two teams would go to the World Series. There was no playoff. There was no, which is why, by the way, Bobby Thompson in 1951 is such a big deal because they had to add a three-game series at the end of the regular season. Best of that three-game series between the Giants and Dodgers goes to the World Series, but there was no postseason. You win the National League, you win the American League, those two teams play each other in the World Series. So certainly there were fewer playoff games being played, but you're telling me in the history of baseball, all the playoff games, Derek Jeter, played Cal Ripken Jr. all these guys Alex Rodriguez nobody had hit a grand slam at shortstop unbelievable stuff so for me that's up near the top of course there's the double play in Kansas City but I think Joe Panic probably gets a little bit more credit plus that one's a, a weirder highlight to listen to or to go back and watch because you forget it went to a replay review a World Series replay review to get the Giants the double play there on Eric Hosmer Jeremy Affeld on the mound but that double play is, is maybe the marquee moment for Brandon Crawford defensively in his tenure as a San Francisco Giant but if I'm going to rank my top two Brandon Crawford moments how about the fact that we heard this guy was a defense Defensive uh, stalwart. He was coming up. And don't forget, there had been another defensive stalwart who'd come up uh, a couple of years before Brandon Crawford did. Brian Bocock. And he did not come up with the same fanfare or with the same big home run power that Crawford displayed in, uh, in what was ultimately his first home run as a giant. It sounded like this. The pinch. A curveball is hammered. Deep right center field. Corey Hart is going back. And this one is gone. And Crawford has hit a grand slam. The rookie in his first game, it's his first big league hit, and it's a grand slam. The Giants lead 5-3, to three, and what a moment for the kid. That's one of my all-time favorites. I think the other one I look at that's uh, that's my all-time favorite Brandon Crawford moment, and this is one that's just if you're a Giants fan, uh, you, you got these moments where you go to ball games and you have big memories about the game because of who you were with or what the moment was. A few years back, remember the Giants backup catcher Trevor Brown spent one year with the Giants, uh, and, then, and then I don't even know if he spent more time in the big leagues after that. Was here, though, for an entire season with the Giants. Anyway, opening night, Brandon Crawford, well, the Giants are facing Ross Stripling. They're taking on the Dodgers. Ross Stripling opened the game throwing seven no hit innings and don't forget because it was opening night uh he, he was on a pitch count he went up near 100 pitches might have been right at 100 giants or dodger manager excuse me uh, dave roberts comes out and gets ross stripling dodger fans are losing their minds dodgers have a one nothing lead at the time come ninth inning trevor brown the backup catcher steps up and hits a solo home run his first home run ever in the big leagues to tie the game at one apiece then it goes to extras. Giants get out of it. And by the way, no runner on second in the 10th inning in this ballgame. Brandon Crawford comes up. It's opening night at Oracle Park. And here's how it happens. The 1-0 pitch to Crawford is hit to left. Well hit. Vance like back. Looking up. It's gone. Brandon Crawford beats L.A. with a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 10th. 3-2 Giants. And they celebrate at home plate. Oh, I was sitting up the uh, the left field line there. That was a blast. The ball went uh, kind of right in front of my buddy and I, up near the cars there in left field, and hit the bleachers. Giants win the game. Always fun to beat the Dodgers. Even more fun to beat the Dodgers on a walk-off, and it's always exciting when it happens on a big day like opening night uh, for the Giants. So those two probably my two favorite Brandon Crawford moments, but I know I mentioned it before. We may as well let you hear the playoff Grand Slam. Brandon Crawford, the hitter. One and two. Volquez set. He pitches, and Crawford hits a high fly ball right field. Snyder going back. He's looking up. It's gone. 
Brandon Crawford has launched a grand slam over that 21-foot-high wall, and the Giants have taken a 4-0 lead and totally silenced this crowd in Pittsburgh. I think every Giants fan remembers how raucous and rocking that, that Pittsburgh crowd was, and then Crawford hit that slam, and you heard Dave Fleming say it there. He's completely silenced the crowd in Pittsburgh. That's an understatement maybe even from Dave Fleming based on how loud they were. They, I think they did a whole blackout or a whiteout. It doesn't matter. They were just out of the playoffs after the Brandon Crawford grand slam. And by the way, shout out Dave Fleming for being the guy on all three of those great Brandon Crawford calls. His first career hit, which, by the way, was that grand slam, the walk-off grand slam or a, a home run against the the Dodgers and then that one the Grand Slam in Pittsburgh that helped vault the Giants into the division series and ultimately on their way to a world championship so great stuff a lot of fun and shout out Dave Fleming on those calls and shout out our next guest what a transition Brandon Crawford 1500 plus games as a Giant one of the very few just five guys to do that he joins us here on the Inside Giant Moments podcast it's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast for the first time this year Brandon Crawford you might know who he is has played over 1500 games for the Giants at shortstop Brandon Thanks for making time, man. How are you today? It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. No problem. Doing well. Good, man. Uh, so I was thinking about you the other day. I was out at the, the Warriors parade. And there was a kid standing on the parade route. And he was holding a sign up to Steph Curry that said, uh, in 2035, me and Cannon Curry will be the Splash Brothers of the Warriors. And I thought, dude, that kid could be Brandon Crawford. We've got that photo with you, man, at, at Candlestick right. Park years ago. Uh, it, it, the first thing that came to mind was thinking about you as a kid and kids in the Bay Area growing up and, and maybe becoming professional athletes. Uh, speaking of parades and like thinking back on those, is there a moment or a memory that comes to mind for you from, from 2012 or 14 or a, a highlight that stands out from the parade days um i mean i i just remember how many people were were flooding market street and uh you know just excited that that we had brought uh, another world series back to to san francisco um and it was exciting i i remember uh in 14 i had both of my kids with me i think that's that's probably what stands out the most uh, both of my my girls i mean i should say uh with me um for those parades so um, they they loved it too. They uh, especially uh, Braylon was almost two at the time, so she she thought it was cool that there was like confetti flying all over the place and yeah. the people were cheering for us and stuff like that. So she got a kick out of that. And, uh, I, I was. It's always fun to see your kids um, you know, excited about something. Yeah, man, I was thinking about that, too, because, you know, we've gotten to know Riley Curry a little bit. She was front and center at the uh, the championship, you know, eight years ago. And now here she is uh, in the parade route or, or sitting up on the bus with her dad, Steph. Has that been kind of cool for you? Like the fact that you've played for so long now, 12 years, that's your what your third year in the bigs in 2014 that you uh, you win a World Series. And now your kids have kind of got to grow up and experience your career a little bit. Has that been kind of a fun thing to to have that connection with them while you're playing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I think early on the, the girls didn't care as much about the baseball part and um, were more worried about why they weren't seeing dad for a week to 10 days sometimes sure. um, and didn't really understand why I was on the road so much, but, but they definitely get it now. And um, Braxton, my, my six-year-old boy, he's baseball 24 seven. So he, uh, he, he follows every day. He's watching highlights uh, on his iPad and stuff like that. So, 
sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. But uh, but he's he's definitely way into the baseball, and it's fun. Um, it's fun for him to to follow. And um, you know, I, I loved baseball at his age too, so it's it's fun for me to kind of look back and uh, you know think of myself at the same age and, and how into baseball he is also. He'd probably be hard pressed to say he had a, a different favorite player than you, but Juan Soto's climbing up his ranks, right? He's up near the top. Uh, he's definitely at the top for non-giants. Yeah, <laughs> good deal, man. Uh, well, his his uncle Garrett is number one, but right. but then uh, but then Soto, yeah, for for non-family members, uh, Soto's at the top. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was cool uh, seeing them on the field together, and then obviously we saw that last year, but that was cool. And the Nats came out earlier this season, so over fifteen hundred games played now with the Giants. The only other guys to do that in the San Francisco era: Jimmy Davenport, Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey. That's pretty cool, man. For a guy from the Bay Area, I'd imagine those names carry more weight to you than they would to maybe another player who didn't grow up here. You've got rings, you've got WBC titles, Gold Gloves, Silver Sluggers. What does that milestone mean to you, and to have your name on that list with some other Giants Hall of Famers? Um, I mean, I mean, first of all, it's a it's a longevity, um, you know, milestone for sure. I've been lucky enough to, um, you know, for the Giants to stick with me for all these years and that, um, to, to be healthy uh, for for the majority of the part. Also, uh, you know, health, healthy enough, at least to, to go out there uh, day in, day out. Uh, you know, just to see those names uh, ahead of me on the list. I mean, those are those are hall of famers. Those are all time great giants. Um, some of the best giants to ever, to ever put on this uniform. So, uh, definitely a special to, to be on the list with them. And when you talk longevity for like a Bay area athlete, I mean, this is going to put you on the short list with guys like, uh, like Patty Marlowe or Frank Gore guys who had nice long careers in the Bay area. And, and the fact that you're from here makes it even cooler. You're not quite at like the 22 years of, of Tom Brady though. He only played, he's only played 318 games. So you've got a few on him, but is there something that you do? Is, is there an avocado ice cream for Brandon Crawford, like Tom Brady that gets your body right, keeps you healthy, gets you prepped for the season? Um, no, not, not something specific. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but I mean, just I think just taking care of myself and making sure that I'm I'm coming in uh, to the field early to uh, to get in the training room and work on uh, you know anything that I need uh, to get worked on and uh, you know a lot of work in the off season to uh, to get ready for this for the long haul that that we have for a baseball season. I mean, it's the it's the longest season in, in sports, the most amount of games in sports. So um, you know, it's it's definitely an endurance thing and. Uh, you have to make sure that your body's right coming into every season to, to make sure you can get through it. And so I try my best to, to do that. Well, and I think people forget you're the first guy who I heard maybe four five, six years ago, say something about this where and you just pointed out, you know, 162 games in a season, but you're not signing up for 162. You, you add on those spring training games. We're talking close to 190 games or 185 games. Then you talk postseason. You could be playing nearly 200 games a year. It's not just six months. I mean, this is like a can be like a seven or eight month grind, right? Yeah. I mean, really, the goal going into spring training is that it's yeah, it's going to be like eight months. Yeah. Um, with, with spring training and then the, the month of postseason added on at the back end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you try to kind of prepare for almost 200 games. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a grind, but, uh, but definitely worth it if you can get there at the end of October. What's your, your biggest memory or, or the first thing that comes to mind when you think about your first big league spring training? We're talking about you get a, an invite to camp, you show up, uh, maybe an opportunity to make the team. I can't remember what year that would have been, maybe 10 or 11, something like that. What was your first big league camp and, and what do you remember most about it? 
I came up for a few games in 2009. That was my first spring training. Um, but I was in the minor leagues for the most part. 2010 was my first big league camp. Um, and I just remember, you know, some of the veterans that were on the team and, uh, you know, just trying to keep my head down and, and put in work and, uh, you know, do my best during that spring um, around a bunch of big leaguers. Um, and, you know, Edgar Renteria was still, was still around. And obviously later that, that year went to World Series MVP. But I, I remember talking to him about some, like, defensive stuff and, um, putting in work on the backfield, like early work and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, just trying to kind of uh, keep my head down and, and, and do my thing once I, once I got a chance on the field. Do you think you had more because you came up with the Giants? Do you think any part of you got to experience more of the, oh, my God, this is the big leagues because you were a fan of the team you get to play for? Like, I know guys grow up. I was talking to Buster a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, growing up in Georgia, he was a Braves fan, and he had all these guys he loved. But then the second you start playing for another team, it just kind of goes away. I I wonder about your fandom of the Giants while you're in the Giants organization. I imagine you were obviously excited that they won the World Series. But but is there still some of that, that, like, when you came up, you got that, oh, my God, this is the big leagues, how cool is this to be on the Giants? Uh, I mean, I definitely once when I was drafted, uh, I, I had that that feeling and, um, you know, putting on the uniform for the first time in, in spring training, uh, like the actual Giants uniform on in right. spring training uh, was cool. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to say you get jaded by it or anything like that, but uh, but I, I think once you're playing for the organization for a little while, you you just kind of, I don't know, you, you forget it maybe a little bit about being a fan. Um, but you, for me anyway, I, I was, I was definitely happy to be called up and, you know, had that, uh, oh my gosh, I'm in the big league moment. Um, you know, when I first stepped on the field in Milwaukee and, and all that. Um, and I, I think I probably did. It's, it was a while ago now, so I'm trying to think back, but, um, I probably did the first time I took the field in, in San Francisco also. Um, after that road trip in Milwaukee, St. Louis, we came back home and I played my first um, home games in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, that was a that was a cool moment for me, too. Can you remember the first time? Because I remember as a kid, we're, we're pretty close in age. Do you remember the first time you went to at the time Pac Bell Park as a fan? Do you remember the first ball game you went to? Uh, no, honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I ended up going to a lot of games. I mean, my dad having season tickets for you know, even the candlestick days. And then, yeah. um, you know, when, when they switch parks, um, I ended up going to a lot of games. So honestly, I don't even remember the first one. Oh, good. Me too, man. My I'm dad, my dad probably <laughs> would. He's probably disappointed that, I, that I'm saying I don't remember, but, uh, but honestly, I don't. We'll send him the link and I'll be like, you don't remember, man. It was, uh, it was Padres and giants. It was a Tuesday night. Right. We'll, uh, we'll try to get his, uh, his thoughts on that. Um, so we were talking, you know, you go back to, to some of the great streaks in baseball, 1500 games is a ton o- over 12 years, obviously how much more respect or do you ever think about guys like Cal Ripken jr? Like, yeah, he played 2,600 straight leap. He played double where you're at right now. He played 3,001 games yeah. in the big leagues. I can't even wrap my head around that. No, that's, that's that record. I, I same. I can't even wrap my head around that either. Uh, that's a record that will never be broken. I, I have, uh, I would put a lot of money on that. I have no doubt that that, that record will stand forever. Um, just it's, it's such a grind. And I, it, I mean, I, I can't believe that, that he did that for so many years. 
Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, I mean, we're talking, you know, 15, 20 straight years, basically, of like not missing yeah. a day, which is, is unbelievable for the eight months we're it, talking about. It really is. Uh, so uh, obviously defense is, is what everybody thinks about when we think about you. I was I was looking this up last week because uh, we just hit the 10 year anniversary of Matt Cain's perfect game. I don't know how many people remember that you were a defensive replacement in that game. Pablo started at third. Joaquin Arias was over at short. And obviously he goes to third base and makes the big play at the end of the game to uh, to win it. It's your like second year in the bigs. Dude's throwing a perfect game. Bochi says, hey, grab a glove. Everybody's thinking about the pitcher at that moment. But do you remember what it was like coming into a game for a perfect game in your second year? What were you thinking? What did somebody tell you? What was going through your head? Uh, it was I, I don't know if anyone necessarily said anything, um, but I, I know Woe told me to, to start getting ready and, and warm up because I was probably going to be in, in this game. So uh, I went in in the seventh, the top of the seventh. So I was probably getting ready like fifth and sixth down in the cage, running, stretching, throwing, all that kind of stuff. I remember it was the most nervous I had ever been on a baseball field um, going into that game. It was just, especially as a defensive replacement, um, you're literally going in there to not mess up this perfect game. So like you're expected to make every play, you know, Matt Cain's out there throwing these, uh, these six uh, perfect innings so far. So you have to make every play that's, that's hit to you. Um, so it kind of, I, I guess the, the pressure of that, and the, you know, in that moment, uh, it was the most nervous I'd ever been. Uh, fortunately made the one play that, that I got. Uh, I think it was to end the, to end the seventh, end the seventh or end the eighth, I forget. Um, but I remember it was just like, it was kind of a blur. Like it was hit to me. I was glad that I fielded it and made a good throw. And, uh, you know, afterwards was kind of just like, Oh, what, what just happened? Um, but yeah, I mean, especially after Blanco made that catch, it was like, you, you better make anything that's hit remotely close to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, world series, uh, game seven, like wild card games. I, I, I was not as nervous as, as going into that game for sure. I'm glad you brought up the wild card game. That's one that, that always baffles me. You talk about like notes or stats in baseball. You hit that grand slam in Pittsburgh. And I still, I think at the time, I don't know if it still stands. It was the first grand slam ever hit by a shortstop in the playoffs. I was like, how yeah. could that have happened? We played baseball for 140 years and nobody had done that. That's, yeah. that's mind boggling. Yeah. I remember, I remember uh, hearing something about that after that game too. And I, I couldn't believe it with, you know, the amount of games that, that Jeter played in the postseason, right. and, you know, all these great shortstops um, in the history of baseball. Um, it's just, it's crazy that that had never happened. I think there has, there's been at least one. I think Addison Russell hit one in the World Series yeah. uh, in 16. So uh, there's been at least one since. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Only one guy's first, though, man, and it was you. Yeah. Uh, going back to the uh, to the no hitters, uh, I was th- I was looking at at some of your just career great moments, and you're here for 12 years in the golden age of Giants baseball. Uh, there, there's moments that, that every fan remembers, obviously. I wonder for you, you're like a, I wouldn't call you a fly on the wall, but like the Forrest Gump of the San Francisco Giants. You've been around for all four of those no hitters. You're out there at shortstop, get guys hitting three home runs in a World Series game. Bumgarner's out there. Is there a moment for you that wasn't an achievement of your own that you think about as as being like that was pretty cool to be a part of i imagine that the perfect game's up there but what's one that comes yeah. to mind for you yeah i mean the perfect game's definitely up there um i mean both both world series wins game four in detroit game seven in, in kansas city i feel like even more so game seven uh, just because it was it was so intense like i remember having trouble falling asleep the, the night before um just because i mean it's literally you you win you win the world series you lose you 
we lost the World Series. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just the, uh, you know, the uh, just how much how much pressure is on that game. And uh, you know, I was ex- I was excited to play it, and you know, even more excited to be a part of of the win there. So, um, I mean, it's those are those are hard to beat. perfect game and no hitters i mean they were they were all awesome i remember heston's no hitter uh, you know with with i mean chris was chris did a great job in the big leagues uh, but never really had a game like that and, yeah. and then all of a sudden you know he's he's thrown a no hitter i had um one or two like not difficult plays but you know some of the harder hit balls i guess uh, of that game it was really he got so much soft contact that game uh but so I mean, just all those all those big games, uh, you know, kind of stand out to me, and I, I was happy to be a part of it. We got to uh, we got to get like Susan Slusser or Alex Pavlovich or somebody on a, on some research to see if anybody else has played in four no hitters as a shortstop. I'd imagine that, that that's probably a pretty short list. I mean, to be behind that many of them is pretty incredible. And for four straight years, uh, I, I want to ask you about to, about some defensive stuff. I, when, I, when I was talking to Buster a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the pitch com thing and I was asking him about pre pitch positioning because it's always been sort of my understanding that the shortstop and the infielders knew what the signs were that the, the catcher was putting down to sort of help them with where to stand based on what pitch may or may not be thrown is that an element now with the pitch con that's kind of lost for you or, or how do you navigate that now without knowing what pitch is coming uh we we actually have it too so, oh, you do? so we still know yeah we still know what's coming uh for me it's even easier uh, <laughs> really because i i hear it i hear it in my ear and um i don't really have to worry about looking looking into the catcher like there are some parts or you know sometimes um, maybe with the shadows and stuff like that, it's, it's kind of hard to see the catcher's signs, especially when they're putting down multiple signs. Right. Um, so now I, I mean, I could be looking out in the outfield and I, I know a pitch is coming. So, um, I actually, I like it. I think it slows down a little bit, uh, when, um, you know, the pitcher, the pitcher shakes or, you know, the, the pitcher and catcher are on the same page. Right. Uh, cause then, you know, it just takes a little bit longer to enter in every, every, every pitch instead of putting down just putting down a new sign but um but no i think for the most part i i like it it's it's definitely an element that's that's always been uh key for me for you know knowing knowing what pitch is coming and and being able to get a better jump now because because of all the shifts that we put in constantly now because we we kind of have an idea of maybe where a guy may hit a ball uh and shifting is so prevalent in baseball is range still viewed as like a a premium trait because i just feel like it's harder to gauge now if you're moving guys over they're putting you behind second base we don't know necessarily if you were playing straight up defense if you would have got to that ball i just wonder about how we gauge range now and if that's still sort of viewed as a, a premium asset or trait for defenders in baseball i mean i think i think range will always be the a huge part for for any fielder um i mean obviously positioning is uh there's more uh scouting and you know you're told exactly where to stand pretty much sure. as as a fielder um but i mean that it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to hit it right at you every time so um you know if you're if there's a right-handed pull hitter at the plate and you're i'm way in the six hole but he ends up hitting it you know more towards straight straight up shortstop or even maybe a little more up the middle it's, it's definitely beneficial for me to be able to, to still get to that ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think range will always be a, a you know, a, a good, uh, a, a good key for, for any defender. 
I, I don't want you to uh, to come down on anybody or, or denigrate anybody you've played uh, up the middle with. But do you have a guy who, over the years that you've been a, a giant, uh, has been a double play partner that you look at and you go, man, me and that guy just connect? Was it Joe Panic? Uh, is there another guy maybe who comes to mind? Maybe it's Tyro right now. I'm just wondering, is there a second baseman? You go, man, I don't, I don't even have to say anything to that guy. That guy knows where I'm going to be. He knows what I'm going to do. Maybe a, a favorite double play partner you've had? Uh, I mean, I feel like I haven't had any, any bad double play partners. That's for sure. sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tyro's, Tyro's done a great job. Um, I feel like, um, me and him are kind of on the same page with a lot of things. Um, you know, whether it's balls in between us or, um, you know, coverage for, for certain things, whether it's a, um, a ground ball to the, to the right side when I'm, you know, shifted over a little bit or uh, a steal or anything like that. Um, we're, we're usually on the same page. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe, I, I played with the most games, I think, with Joe. So um, we we definitely, um, you know, didn't we didn't even have to say anything to each other. And we knew, you know, we knew where we were going to be, who was who was going to cover, um, you know, where we wanted our double play feeds for certain for certain balls, stuff like that. Um, I feel like we, me and Joe were, were always on the same page with that. Um, Brandon Hicks was another one actually that, that turned a really good double play. Um, didn't get as much uh, time with him, but he was, he had, I think one of the quicker, quicker double play turns and stronger arms out of all the second baseman I've played with. And, and I want to say he took Kershaw deep one time. <laughs> I want to say Brandon Hicks ran into one against Kershaw. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did too. I think all of my, all of the guys that have stepped in for me at short um, have hit a home run off Kershaw at some point. So. <laughs> Play it's my turn at some point. I, it's it's one of the an extra base hits coming at at some point, but don't know when. Yeah, 1,500 games is cool, but let's take Kershaw deep. That, that would be the one that you, you put the ball up on on your mantle. Hey, I was I was happy I walked a couple times against him <laughs> today. So it's tough to do, it's man. It's tough, it's tough to do. He's yeah. one of the all time greats. Uh, before we let you go, man, I, I know you got to get out and uh, and get ready for uh, for the game. Um, I want to ask a fun one here just at the end. I mentioned you and I are pretty close in age. My all time favorite Giants team is is I was in seventh grade, the two thousand two Giants, right? They go to Game Seven and and lose to the Angels. Do you have a team with all the games you went to and and the season tickets? and going to candlestick is there a team or a year that stands out to you as your favorite giants team it's a tough question i got a tougher one coming uh, right after so <laughs> so pick a good um, one. <laughs> i mean the the 93 team stands out to me i mean i was only six but i right. i mean the, the players on that team that was the year that the they got bonds, right? Yeah, you got you they got bonds and then do 103 yeah. and didn't make the playoffs, Fred McGriff and right. all that. Yeah, so I mean that was that was a great team. I mean I think that was when I really is either 92 or 93 where I really started getting into baseball a lot more and following it. So um I'll go I'll go with that team. Okay, so the question then is how many guys from that starting lineup you think you can name from the 93 Giants? Oof. Um you got bonds, you nailed that one. Yeah, Bonds, Darren Lewis. Uh, Darren, Darren Lewis didn't start, but he was on the team. So good knowledge there. I think he went a gold glove pretty close to them, too. In 93? Yeah, 93. No, uh, you're starting outfield. Bonds wasn't left. Uh, Willie McGee out there? Willie McGee was in right. And the uh, the center fielder is a, a current manager in the bigs. I thought it was Davey, Davey Martinez was your uh, your center fielder okay. in day 93. Uh, catcher, okay. you know the catcher might have been in 93? Kurt Manwaring. Kurt, what's that man wearing? Good knowledge. And then uh, for, for, first base, 
That's an easy one. Uh, Will. Will the Thrill, second base. Will, one of the Robbie, yep. Royce. Royce. And, and, Matt, and Matt Williams. Matt Williams at third and John Burke at the, uh, the starting pitcher opening day 93. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good knowledge. You're, uh, yeah. You keep your Giants chops, man. We'll keep you around for a little bit, dude. Uh, hey, man, I really appreciate the time. It's fun to kick around stuff. I uh, love the baseball inside from you. I love just talking old school Giants. And uh, it's been a lot of fun following your career, man. We'll catch up later. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, what a fun conversation with Brandon Crawford. Uh, we do these things, and I feel like I could go for like an hour and a half, two hours. We got to let Brandon get ready for, for playing baseball, you know, but I just I want to pick these guys' brains. I have so much fun talking to these guys, especially with a guy like Crawford who, yeah, local kid in the Bay Area. As I mentioned, he and I are close in age and played high school baseball against each other actually out in the East Bay, but I think that's the connection people have, right? And that's even how it is with the Warriors. We were talking parade with Crawford at the top of the interview there, but the guys who move to the Bay Area and live here, guys even like Gabe Kapler who have moved to the Bay Area, live here in the offseason they embrace the bay area but when it's a local guy who becomes an all-time great for the franchises there's so few of those across sports and across sports history that even our favorite sons here with the giants you know willie mccovey not from here willie may started his career out in new york barry bonds a local guy but started his career in pittsburgh so for crawford to be from the east bay to get drafted by the giants and then to have this kind of stay 12 years at this point at the big league level is, uh, is just incredible, and I know he's dealing with the injury now. It doesn't sound like it's something that's going to be serious, and uh, it doesn't look like he's going to spend any time on the IL after no structural damage was revealed in that MRI for him. Uh, but for a guy who's been here for as long as he has, and as he mentioned, grew up going to Candlestick and spent time out at the yard, that's why having like Jock Peterson here has been so fun. He's got experiences as a fan, just like us, eating garlic fries, uh, 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 cruising over to the Cove and checking out the arcade, going out to center field, and maybe he's been down the Coke bottle slide all that stuff is uh, is great and we're at that level now where the ballpark's been around for long enough that you end up with guys and, and and players who were fans of the team who grew up watching guys like Buster Posey you remember when uh, when Mauricio Dubon got here he's like Brandon Crawford is my guy so uh, really cool stuff and again if you were going to stack up at every position if you were going to create a lineup or, or a defensive uh, uh, positioning of the greatest Giants in the history of Giants baseball Brandon Crawford would be your shortstop I love my Rich Aurelias I love my Royce Clayton's we love those guys but Brandon Crawford for the longevity the success he's had the world championships the silver slugger the gold gloves all that stuff all encompassing plus the longevity of 1500 plus games it's just the coolest thing to have a uh, our favorite son or one of our favorite sons from our own backyard be here in Giants Black and Orange. So big thanks to Brandon Crawford for spending some time with us today. Thank you to our producer, Kelsey, with the Giants. And thank you to you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you're uh, reviewing and subscribing so you don't miss any of the Inside Giant Moments podcasts that we have coming up for the rest of the season. A lot of fun stuff in the days and weeks ahead. We're getting closer and closer to the midway point of the season. As I mentioned earlier, trade deadline time is coming up, so stick with us. We'll be back with you next week with another edition of the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Till then, I'm Adam Copeland. We'll talk to you then. Swing and a draw! Home run for Brandon Crawford. This. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Is. Yastrzemski. Gone! And late night Lamont strikes again. Belt was all over it. The captain. Inside Giant Moments. It's headed for the bay. The third of the night for Jock Peterson. With Adam Copeland. 12 strikeouts and they're on their feet here at Oracle Park for Carlos Rodon. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.